Here we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast. Out West in his garage, Adam Stanko. Just two plugged in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life. A little different format today. Coming up later in the program. Gonna ask you a question that you don't get asked very often by podcast hosts. Plus, Adam's thoughts on the upcoming NCAA tournament, conference tournaments, what it all means for the NBA draft. Let's start with Doris Burke. So oftentimes we discuss things that nobody else will. And I thought we handled the Nate Duncan, Anthony Edwards tweet professionally. So yesterday, as we record this on Monday, I see Doris Burke trending. And I just assume like, oh, it's a love fest for Doris Burke. That's because that's what usually just happens. It's when Doris is calling a game and and I oh, yeah. Doris and Doris is a really good analyst. It's the over the top love like you'd never hear for anybody else of all four people showing love. But it oftentimes gets to the point where like nobody else is allowed to call a game and it's a bit over the top. So I find out why Doris is trending and I'm not going to repeat what she said just because I think it's a bit inappropriate, but you can go find the clips from the Bucks Clippers game. And you know what? It's fucking hilarious. (laughs) I watched that clip six times. It was really funny. Trending topic on on Twitter. So it's not going to be too hard for people to find. So it was, it was, it was really funny. And on Shaq's podcast, which they don't do anymore, and I've referenced it a bunch now on this show, they did a entire segment called Borderline. Okay? Mm, mm-hmm. An entire segment. They would do it every show. And sometimes it was like, all right, guys, like, enough. Um, sometimes it, it borderlined on some topics that I would never have even laughed at or even brought up in a segment as silly as that. Sure. But this would have been the perfect borderline moment. These are the types of things that they would do. Oftentimes it was Shannon uh, Sharp and Skip Bayless, but like this was it. So I suggest everybody go listen to it. Adam and I didn't even really discuss what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) We're just looking at each other and laughing. Uh, but to say oh. that, to say that, to say that, that Doris then is, and and I guess I'm paying too much attention to what goes on on Twitter. I've I've used the mute button so often mm-hmm. that I, I'm still kind of surprised of what ends up in my feed. But sure, all right, it was it was funny. Like let's let's be able to laugh at somebody or with what they said. Okay, and it's not criticism nobody is immune to that type of stuff a few years ago we all remember drake professed his love to doris burke Mm -hmm. and something happened in that moment where doris went from being a really good analyst to she was put on this higher plane it was like drake co-signed and so it made it cool and at that point a, you couldn't criticize Doris Burke, and not to say that she's deserving of criticism, but again, I feel like I almost have to pull back even on that statement. But but you couldn't criticize Doris Burke, and you can't even almost poke fun. It's like even just the saying it. Now, 
if you go as far as as um, friend of the podcast Peter Vessies, <laughs> I say friend of the podcast, not necessarily a friend of either of ours, but a friend of the podcast. No, no, I've known Peter for a uh, long time. He's your friend. He's your friend. Um, but uh, but no, uh, Peter says he can't stand listening to Doris Burke. And here's the thing: if you say that about anybody else, I don't care who, I don't care who the analyst is. You you say that about Van Gundy, Mark Jackson. Wow, like people will jump on that. Chris Weber, you say you can't stand listening to Chris Weber. Reggie Miller, you hear all the time, right? Um, if you say that you can't stand listening to Doris Burke, you might as well have just called somebody's grandmother a whore. I mean, it's <laughs> it's the same, it's the same reaction that you are about to receive. And it's it's fascinating that that's that's what it's come to at this point. And, and here's the thing. This this goes back to what we were talking about with the Nate Duncan conversation last week. Just with some of this stuff, is it worth the tweet? Just put it in a text. Text your buddies. Is it is it worth the tweet? And more and more, maybe it's reevaluating priorities. I don't know. I find myself just not wanting to be in the Twitter sphere, but then think, well, I need to be there for my profession, not just the podcast, but for everything else I do outside of it. Or what about just posting on there the things that you're doing and using it as a promotional tool? But if you use it as a promotional tool and then you're not engaging elsewhere, then does it help at all? Should it help? I mean, we, we see it from, from the podcast itself that a show could have tremendous social engagement and then and the numbers of listens do not reflect that. And and I'd yeah. I'd love to hear from publishers about what are your click-through rates on things that are posted on social articles, podcasts, videos. And I gotta imagine that articles might be the the highest one because you see something you click on, it might save it to pocket or just, you know, keep it open in your browser. Mm-hmm. But I really do want to know what click-through rates are on on social media for podcasts and videos. But that's but that's besides the point. But it, it, again, you're if you're if you're gonna get shit on, then what's the point? Like you are you just you're just looking for a fight? Like you're you're just looking to then point out like ah oh, these people these people these people, you can't do this like it's just it's not worth the gray hair and aggravation. NBA Twitter now has like rules in play. Well, Twitter in general, and I don't mean the actual rules that are there that can get you know a president suspended from from the platform. Right. I'm right. I'm talking about just there are certain guidelines and literally on page one of those rules, don't say anything negative about Doris Burke. Um, yeah, and and here's the thing: I'm not here to say anything negative about Doris Burke. Right. I think she's a really good analyst. No, yeah, of course. That's, but I'm and, just saying that's that nobody I, should be nobody should be immune from criticism. No, of course. And that's the thing when you know a weird shift has sort of happened in 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 Twitter. And I was I was one of the early adopters, not day one, but pretty early on. I want to say like 2009 is when mm-hmm. when I first got on to to Twitter. That's early, yeah. And what was cool in the early days about Twitter was the fact that 
not only were you in on something that everyone else would always make the comment, oh, people just go there to post what they had for lunch. That was always the, the big one mm -hmm. before people understood really how powerful the platform was. But the part that was really cool was you hadn't gotten a huge influx of, of celebrities on the platform. So what was happening for a long time was interesting people were the ones that would gain a lot of followers and they would be the ones driving conversation. So you'd have really funny people and they would be there or really thought provoking people or people that knew a lot about basketball and that weren't necessarily huge names, but were able to establish themselves as sort of these, these prominent voices on, on Twitter. And then after a while, of course, when celebrities realized it was good for them, well, now no longer did you, you know, did funny people get the follows or the attention or get to drive conversation? Because guess what? Chris Rock's on Twitter now. Dave Chappelle's on Twitter, you know. And so, or, you know, the basketball people like, oh, that's great. But Steve Kerr's on there now. So he's going to know more than, than you do. So expertise sort of played a role in all that kind of stuff. It wasn't just anyone could sort of. But, but what happened when that was the case was it was like, okay, the celebrities now own it again. Or at least that the prominent names now own it. But also anyone else who wants to be a part of the conversation now has to follow, like I said, these these guidelines, these unwritten rules. And I think that's the thing where so many people have fallen in line. And if Dame Lillard hits a game winning shot, you have to type Dame. Period. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know? but, so so oh, here's here, here's the the last thing I'm going to say on this. Whenever we started hearing in in press conferences or even on radio shows, people say, people are saying, people think this. That's directly from Twitter. Because from before then, you would say, it said here in the Philadelphia Inquirer. So like, that's right. all writer. That's, that's one person. I didn't hear the people say this, people say this from like sports talk radio or anything like that. It was... Twitter, because everybody has access to this one platform. And then things get so convoluted that one person's thoughts then turns into people, 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 people. And then it is just blown out of proportion and it's, and it spreads like wildfire. And I think that gets me the most. We all have to remind ourselves that the amount of people walking around the, the U.S. population compared to the amount of people actively engaged on Twitter, not just bots, not just people that have accounts, but people actively engaged on Twitter. I mean, it is such a drastic difference. It is not representative of the population. And people go there for purpose, like you said, sometimes to promote things like we do, or whether it's promoting mm -hmm. the podcast or projects we're working on or what have you, or to shout someone out or to give someone a happy birthday. But the thing is about it, is that oftentimes we look and see whether someone got ratioed or we see how many comments are on something and we use that to gauge, oh, people are really mad about this. People are really mad. And that was kind of the funny thing about actually just going back and putting a, a bow on all this. The Nate Duncan stuff was kind of the funny part because I think Nate, in a way, took it, whether he was right or wrong or you agree or disagree with his point, whatever, the funny part was kind of like Nate has this ability to just sort of say, yeah, people didn't seem to like that. So I ended up I ended up talking to Nate about it after our podcast and and asked him, did you expect that type of backlash? He said, No, like my followers would like that's information that my followers would expect from me. 
And I think that's a bit naive thinking that it's only going to stay with your followers, but I get it. I, I do get it. And I, I still think the tweet was misplaced, but I get it. Things just, things just blow up too quickly to be enjoyable. So I just need to figure out how to absorb NBA Twitter in a way that suits me. That's, that is really what it comes down to. Coming up in a bit, we'll ask you a question that I don't think podcast hosts have asked you before. And first, Adam told you, make sure you watch Cade Cunningham this week. And he goes out and drops 40. So what's Adam looking for this week? I'll let you know. It is very significant not to let the stress of daily life weigh on you. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like the two of us, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. It's that handheld therapy device that you've seen athletes use, but you can use it as well. And it releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's so quiet. It's like as quiet as an electric toothbrush. And it's trusted by 250 pro teams. Real Madrid uses it. Paul George uses it. DeAndre Hopkins uses it. And then other just simple customers. You can try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. So go to theragun.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D on locked on right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. Adam and I are like family. Would we start a business together? Things could get messy, but rockauto.com has pulled it off. A family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go there, shop for all the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, whatever you want. They've got that unique and easy to navigate catalog. You can see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brand specifications, the prices you prefer, and those prices are always reliably low. And they're reliably low for everybody, not just the professionals, but the do-it-yourselfers and the try-it-yourselfers. So go to rockauto.com right now. You can see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D, space on, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We've got you covered everything on the world of hoops, but what about the rest of sports? Now you've got Locked On Podcast Network with Locked On Today, hosted by the great Peter Bukowski. And it's all the sports you need every morning, under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so I guess we're playing conference tournaments now, and we're going to have an NCAA tournament, and we could have teams dropping out, as you mentioned last week and then other teams on standby to get in are we going to do a selection show for that will we have cameras there but you did tell us last week make sure you're watching out for Cade Cunningham and it wasn't like you discovered Cade Cunningham but you're just saying this week watch him play and he goes out and scores 40 and then the week before you talked about Jalen Suggs and he was and he performed so what about now well, I'm not going to try to say that I can predict the future, but I do think in in general, what I'm checking out is is really just this this close to the season for to be honest with you, 
Duke and, and Kentucky. There's something about those two programs that has fascinated me this year. And I think, no, it speaks to sort of what you and I have felt all year about, about the NBA and even college basketball is this idea of apathy. And, and I think, I know it's weird to be on a podcast talking about basketball and getting hyped about basketball and the things that we're passionate about and then talk coming on here and saying, yeah, I don't love it as much. And I think in a weird way, it's been a crazy social experiment to say what would happen to the elite programs that are thriving on one and done models if all of a sudden you told the guys at those schools, well, now that that five or six months that you're going to be on campus for is you're just going there for a short time that you don't even want to be there. You want to be in the league, but the league doesn't allow you to do that. What would happen then if we put you in a bubble situation, you're getting tested all the time. We take the fun out of the college atmosphere altogether. Games aren't fun. They're not exciting. And there's no fans or crowd or any of the pageantry that we love about college basketball. And then we say, hey, because there's no crowd, Cameron Indoor and Rupp now aren't even crazy home court advantages. Mm -hmm. Like, And that's been the most fascinating part. People ask me, what's wrong with Duke and Kentucky? Well, I think just laid it out for you. The one and done kids don't have the same mental fortitude that the, that the seniors do. Um, just naturally, you learn that, and, and you, that's what experience literally is. And then there's no home court advantage. And then all of a sudden now, again, that the interest that you have is going to wane and you don't know how to deal with adversity because you're a young kid and haven't experienced that yet. And not a knock on any of these kids. Certainly not Jalen Johnson, who I know had his own struggles and, and left Duke and people calling him a quitter. And, and that caught a lot of steam. And I'm in disagreement with that argument. But but I do think that it's just it's wild. So I sort of want to see. And, and the guys, I mean, look, you, you were a fan of Jeremy Roaches when he was in high mm -hmm. school, seeing him at the Bass Pro Shops. Tournament of Champions, yeah. Bass Pro Shops Tournament Champions. Um, Matthew Hurt's been a guy, 6'9", sophomore from, uh, from Duke, who really can shoot the basketball. I don't know where exactly he'll play at the next level, but we can shoot and have that kind of size, and he can really catch fire. Uh, be an interesting guy one of those guys that if if Duke had fans now at home and away arenas Matthew Hurt would be the guy that they'd all hate on at this point because he's good and obviously the pigmentation and so I'm interested to check out how Duke closes out and also Kentucky I mean you know Brandon Boston's a guy NBA teams are are um, really excited about Isaiah Jackson I really like Devin Askew, their point guard. So they've got some transfers, obviously, uh, that are very interesting too. But I just, in general, I'm curious about how those guys close out. And then and as we push further, the NCAA tournament's going to be fascinating. As you said, like, we might see situations. I mean, if a one seed is ruled ineligible because you don't have the seven straight consecutive days of, of uh, clean bill of health, all of a sudden now a one-seeded team could be popped out, and now this replacement team becomes the on the one line. I mean, this is mm -hmm. bananas, <laughs> and yeah. I see why they're trying to push through. Everything's about the money, all that kind of stuff. We'll evaluate some of the tournament matchups and players to watch once we get in the field, and once that once that's laid out. But as of right now, how Duke and Kentucky close out their seasons are what I'm most interested in. All right, I'm going to tell you what I'm most interested in. NBA Top Shot. So I got two packs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Full disclosure. I have no idea how this works. No idea. I don't get it. I don't understand the cryptocurrency. I don't, I don't get it. And so, 
So wait, but as you say PACs, because I know that there are people, is, for as much as your knowledge is limited, Noah, and I had to dive into this this week because I'm like, this is what everyone's talking about now. I feel like I should, everyone's talking about it. It goes back to what we were saying. Well, you can, you can dive it. You can dive into but, it and come out thinking, you know, yeah, I still, I, still, no I still don't know. But on a base level, so when you say you receive two PACs mm-hmm. and then you open your PACs, and I know that they're video highlights, and I've looked online to sort of get a feel for what they are. Mm-hmm. Can you just explain when you got the packs, like what's actually the process? They're online. I mean, people don't even know that. That's what I'm saying. Like, take it from the beginning for people who don't understand. Okay. So, so someone from Top Shot reached out to me after mm-hmm. being in a an NBA clubhouse room, being on stage, and said, I'd like to give you two packs. Okay, great. Thank you. Sends two packs. They are they they end you create account and they just end up in your account. Okay. And mm-hmm. There are three moments in each pack, and these are their base level packs where each moment there are 15,000 of each one of these moments. How the moments are determined, I don't know. But each moment has a serial number. So, for example, a I got a, a LeBron three-pointer. I think it was against Memphis, and he turned and looked at the bench and before it, before he even, before it even went through. Okay. Turns and looked at the bench. Okay. So apparently Seems valuable. Seems like a valuable moment. It's only as valuable as someone's willing to pay for it. Of course. My father taught me that at baseball card shows when I was a kid. So the serial number twenty-three apparently is will go for a whole lot more than serial number three thousand. Because the the matching number, what makes that more valuable? I don't know. Did somebody just say, hey, that's the most valuable? I, I don't know. Serial number one. Like, why is the, it's the same exact thing. So why is the, they're all coming out together. Why is the, the first one more valuable than the 5,000? I don't know. So anyway, I put them up for sale. And and you can look at, what I, what I think is important is, not to look at what they're being sold, not, not for what they're being listed for in a for sale section. You need to go find the sites like CryptoSlam that will show you what things are being bought for. That's the value, not just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I could throw up a piece of chicken on eBay and put it up for sale for a million dollars. It's not worth a million dollars. It's like back, like you mentioned, the the old you know baseball card game. It's like when we we would see these listings come out in books and all, and they would tell you, you know, yeah, Jordan you. rookie card or, you know, Sheffield rookie card is, you know, as was back in the day. Oh, it's, it's worth $35. And then, but if you go to a trade show or you go down to the local mm-hmm. trading card store and say, Hey, I've got this card. They'd say, all right, I'll give you $15 for it. It's that's only what it's the, worth. All right. That's how much it's worth. So anyway, to pay. I sold my first card yesterday. And I thought about not even coming to work today. I really did. I even texted a few folks that I work with. I said, hey, this is what happened last night. I'm not coming in. I'm not coming in. Big time. A Dylan Brooks layup from January 3rd against the Lakers was one of the three cards in one of these packs. Or three uh, moments in one of these packs. A layup. January 3rd game, Dylan Brooks. I sold it for thirty dollars. Thirty dollars. So I went back this morning 
and looked at the game highlight from that night on NBA.com. The Dylan Brooks layup wasn't even in the highlight. <laughs> maybe that's why it's so valuable. You couldn't see it anywhere else. Right, so you, maybe maybe that's it. <laughs> no, you can't actually see this highlight anywhere else. It has to be on the moment. I didn't think of that. Maybe that's it. Here's a Mo. Here's a Mo Wagner missed baseline jumper. It wouldn't add up with everything else. It's not in the highlight. So, so I don't so know how much is your LeBron moment worth. What? what I don't you, know what it. I don't know what it's worth. I, but I know but you I, don't. I, it's, it's only up, worth I, what I, someone's willing to buy. I What's com- it listed I com- as? I competitively priced it at three thousand. I guess dollars. I don't know nuggets. I, I don't even know. And I put up, and there was a Steph Curry pass. Put that up there. A Zach Levine three, which seems sweet. If you want, if you want a Jamichael Green putback dunk, it's up there for fifty five. Like, well, who knows? Who knows? Incredible, incredible. It's. I what mean, it's. It, there's something. It's something. What a time! I'll tell you that. It's something. All right, coming up, we're gonna ask you a question that. Trust us, you don't get asked very often. You want to place a wager on what we're going to ask you? Well, you can't do that, but you can pretty much place a wager on anything else at betonline.ag. Fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports. A lot of hoops, college hoops, NHL, real-time updated odds, props, almost anything you can imagine. Betonline.ag has got you covered. And you can head over to the website. You can can use the the app to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, just use that promo code locked on, L O C K E D on, locked on, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Ah, Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. I've heard all those names on this podcast. And if you want to know more about them, you got to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, full coverage of March Madness, four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. So here's our question. What do you want from us? Adam and I do a podcast twice a week. Tuesdays, hoops, a little bit of life. Today, a little bit more of life. Thursday, going ISO, long-form interview that if been extremely revealing, entertaining, and thoughtful. And as Adam and I put time into this and dedicate ourselves to this, we want to know what you really want. It kind of goes back to our conversation earlier about social media engagement versus downloads and listens. What do you want? What do you want as listeners? Because there are so many basketball podcasts out there that Adam and I have tried to be a little bit different and show ourselves and our personalities and how we look at things and pick a lane that we think that we can be experts in. Oftentimes it's reading between the lines and talking about broadcast things, given our backgrounds and dissecting those NBA conversations. So we want to know what you want. Because what's the point in doing this if we're not giving you what you want? And we're not too proud to think that, well, you're just going to listen to us because it's Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko. We want to know what's missing from your life as far as basketball conversation goes. So we're asking you to do that 
in any number of ways. You can go on our Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. You can tweet Adam at Naismith Lives. You can tweet me at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. You can go to Apple Podcasts. You can write it in the reviews for rejecting the screen. Just let us know. We think of ourselves as the indie films portion of the Locked On Podcast Network. You've got the, you know, the Marvel Universe, the the the, the big hits, the blockbusters that are going to make a lot of money. There's bigger names out there, obviously, in the in the NBA podcasting space, just in the world. But I will say, when we listen to, and I take pride in this, when we listen to other podcasts, I don't, and I don't mean on lockdown per se, I'm saying just in general, the, the big ones, the ones that are, you know, top 10, top 20. I think all the time, I'm not that impressed. There's not a ton oftentimes that's coming. Sometimes I am. And sometimes that I'm like, wow, that's really knowledgeable. And there's a lot of really good podcasts out there. And, and a lot of which aren't even showing up on top 100 lists or what have you. Um, but I do find myself saying, what is it that they're bringing to the table that others aren't? And, and maybe it's just a question of the, the names out there and it's people know it. And so what's familiar, they're going to mm-hmm. stick with and all. But, it's, but this is such an intimate medium. And it's something that we you know, take pride in getting to experience each week. And I love working with you and, and also just letting people know who listen. Like, I feel like you're in on something. You're in on this, this relationship that we have and our relationship to the game and, and to the media space and to the contacts we have. And I will also say that the Thursday interviews, I feel like they don't exist. And to your point about, you know, what would people asking for what they don't have? I think about it as you write the book, that you want to read. You put out there what it is that you feel like is missing. And I feel like with our interviews, we were doing that, that we Mm -hmm. sort of said there aren't people doing great long form interviews with basketball people. That's going even beyond so that when you hear these interviews, you go, wow, I know who that guy is now like them, dislike them, whatever, but it's nuanced. And now I understand who they are. And that was sort of our purpose. And I feel like some of the interviews, even late, I mean, Josiah Johnson, Adam Malamut, um, you know, he referenced Peter Vesey just, earlier in this in this podcast the the people that we've spoken to and the what reggie theus said about his relationship with his coach kevin lockery or or uh, adam morrison talking about the relationship he had with kobe bryant i mean the stories that people have told us you just aren't finding anywhere else because i think there is a bond that we've created with our our interview subjects that's just awesome so we think it's great we think it's unique to the marketplace but what is it that people who are listening, what are you right now as you're listening to this on your run or in your car, in, in your office, which is probably your bedroom? What are, you, <laughs> what are you thinking like, man, I wish there was a podcast that dove more into this? And let us know, as Noah said, in all the different ways that you can, because we're curious, because we want to serve you guys as, as listeners, most of all. Yeah, we, we want to entertain you. And we want to add to your day. Just like when I listen to things I and talk to people, I'm looking for things to be added to my life. It's a two-way street. It's very easy these days to eliminate people from your life. People who don't add to your life, fuck them. It's the same way with, with a podcast. Why take up space on your phone if they're not adding to your life? So we're hoping that we are adding to your life in in that type of specific way. And if we're not, let us know. 
And if we aren't, let us know. And if you want more of a certain something, let us know. We want to add to your life. All right, we're on Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. As I mentioned, Adam's on Twitter at Naismith Lives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Frank Isola, unable to join us on today's program. But coming up on Thursday, going ISO edition, Mike Lynch. Mike is the, the Philly guy. Mike is the product manager, editorial director at the sports reference sites. So we know that you've spent time on basketball reference. We know you have. Just like we know that you love Game of Zones. So we went an hour plus with Adam Malamut, the co-creator, and asked him all the questions that you ever wanted answered. And that's why we got Josiah Johnson on, who runs NBA Twitter, is the prime mover of NBA Twitter at King Josiah 54 and asked him a whole bunch of questions. So we asked Mike Lynch, like how it works. We're 15 people working out of a church that run all the sports reference sites. The first question was, what about these nicknames that no one's ever heard of? And yet they're (laughs) attached to all these players' names. Who makes those up? That's the first question. And I'll say this. The thing that's going to be fascinating when you hear this interview is just like the work that goes in. I think there's just a commonly held belief that there's somehow a database that they're getting all this information from elsewhere. The amount of stuff that those guys have to input, and that's a teaser. I'm not going to go into detail about it, but what they have to manually input as opposed to what they get just automatically given to them into their programs is cool. just bananas. Cool. All right. So that's coming up Thursday, the going ISO edition here on rejecting the screen, everything else on the locked on podcast network. Locked on NBA five days a week. Locked on fantasy basketball. Josh Lloyd, Chad Ford's NBA big board, all things NBA draft. Hollinger and Duncan, John Hollinger, Nate Duncan, their unique takes. And of course, your team every single day. Your team every day across the Locked On Podcast Network. So if you're a fan of any particular team, you're going to get a podcast every single day from a local expert on the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam, thanks, pal. You really are the best.